Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Single Auntie. I am here today with my Aunt Nay. Hello. And we are just going to be talking about all things relationships. Um, so kind of just to dive right in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I am 47 years old. I am a mother of two. I have a beautiful daughter-in-law and um, I have been married twice now and I was married 22 years the first time, had a lot of life and now I've been married a year and a half this time. Yeah. Okay, so you were 19 in your first marriage? Yes, When you got married? Okay, (laughs) and then you got remarried at 45? 46, I think. I might have been just 45. Okay. Almost 46. So what is the difference between being married at 19 to 46? Ooh, the difference. Well, I was a kid at 19, um, really hadn't been molded. I was, you know, raised in my father's house, so... All of my ideas and my thoughts, feelings, all of those came from his home. So when I got married at 19, it was kind of like I was able to go out and make those, kind of grow up, I guess, with um, Jeff, my first husband, and um, just kind of molded me into the woman that I am now. And uh, I think it was way easier. Getting married young... Now, first off, marriage is freaking hard, but getting married young, I think you are more resilient. You're more giving, you're more lenient. You're just forgiving. You're more forgiving because you don't know any better. And I think in the knowing makes it harder. The more mature you are, the more driven you are, the more, you know, success and all of that makes marriage even harder. So. (laughs) So what is something that is hard now with Brian that wasn't hard with Jeff? Well, Brian is a completely different personality for one. And to be honest, after my divorce, I kind of had to find who I was outside of marriage because I had never saw myself as just Renee it was always Jeff and Renee, you know, for 22 years, I was, I was a Burns longer than I was ever a Harrison. And ironically, I married a Harrison. So now I'm back to being a Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I had my identity was in him and in us. So finding my identity in, you know, the years that I was divorced, I got divorced at 42. And, um, you know, at 45, I had gone through a lot of, um, just a lot, a lot of pain, a lot of, um, self-reflection. And I think that it's more difficult, more that you're settled in who you are because I'm a strong personality. And Brian always says, I guess it doesn't matter what I say. You're going to do what you want to do no matter what. (laughs) And sometimes I feel bad that I'm like that, but I think that some of that is from, it's a product of hurt And it's a product of just boundaries that you set for yourself that no matter how much you love someone, you're not going to allow them past a certain point. You're always going to keep your identity. Because I think finding my identity outside of 22 years of marriage was painful within itself. Yeah. So I don't know that, that divorce is easy on anybody, 
but I think that just it the ripple effect of divorce still I still feel the ripple effect of my divorce today today yeah for sure do you feel do you feel like Brian feels the ripple effect of it and then do you feel maybe the ripple effect from his previous marriage oh 100% because I even though I had been through all the counseling I had been through spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing, like all the things, you still have things in, inside of you that you haven't yet tapped into because until something comes up, you don't really know that there's an underlying thing that's laying there dormant and you're like, hey, I have a hurt here. Um, yeah, he certainly feels that. And the beautiful thing about Brian is he always just looks at me and in a calm voice because he's not like calm in yeah. that respect. <laughs> just he always has something to say. But in those moments, I will say he looks at me and he always says, "Who loves you?" And it's always to just reaffirm, like, "Hey, I love you. Yeah, I love all of you. I I'm taking whatever is coming with you, and I love every bit of it. And I think that." That's beautiful and um, necessary, especially walking through what I have walked through. He was divorced eight years. um, Actually, maybe longer than 12 years. I think he's divorced 12 years. He was married eight. And so he, uh, there's some things that like, he'll say to me, like, you're making me feel this way. And I'll always be like, well, hold on. You always say that that's how she made you feel. Like, is that just something that you always run back to? And so I think that when you bring in hurts and disappointments and failures and all the things that life has, when you bring that into a second marriage, you're working harder to stay together. You have to work harder and be more mature and not walk into it because at this stage, it would be easy for me to say, well, just screw it. I'm, you know, divorced because I've done it once. Nothing. I'm not going to ever hurt like that again. You can't hurt me like that hurt me. Um, and so I think that that mentality has kind of gripped our nation and gripped our world. And that's why marriage is not as sacred as it used to be. But thankfully he and I both have such a foundation in God that, you know, failure isn't really an option. We don't want it to be an option. And so, um, we're willing to fight for each other. Doesn't make it easy. Right. But I've learned that I'm one heck of a fighter. And, you know, I fought hard for my first marriage and didn't want that to fail. But life happens and I can only choose for myself. Um, I probably should have divorced sooner, sadly. But um, I think when you're in the middle of things, like my family would always say, you know, this is not healthy. You need to get out and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it was more of like what was good for me and what was good for my kids. Hindsight, I should have gotten out sooner. Yeah. You were in survival mode, though. Oh, for sure. Because it wasn't, you know, other people who get divorced, it's just them too. And maybe their kids, but like the whole world, you don't feel like the whole world, but my world was watching. Yeah. My whole world was watching. We were pastors and we had pastors for 12 years pastored for 12 years and in that 12 years like you have such relationships we had a very thriving church a successful church God had blessed us in so many ways and 
so when, when I knew when the moment that I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I went to the first, you know, lawyer and, um, I went to an attorney that worked in high profile, the high profile cases. And not that I was high profile, but we had a business, a thriving business as far as the church, not that it's like business, business in that sense, but I was trying to protect a house and protect 21 employees. And there was a lot of pressure saying, Hey, I'm going to get a divorce today. (laughs) You know, that, that affected never just me and my kids that affected everybody in my world. Right. And so I think that, you know, all of that has damages to you. I think that it, it injures you in some way, some form or fashion. You don't realize it maybe while walking through it, maybe two years after it. But at some point in your life, you're going to be faced with a situation that's, that reminds you like, yeah, I have felt this way. I have experienced the feeling that I'm feeling. And I've said that to Brian, like he has said things to me before when, we, when we've argued or whatever. Um, and I've said, this is a familiar feeling. And so then I instantly put up a wall and I've had to learn to walk through that wall of my own building and, um, not put that on him because that's not, he didn't do that to me. Yeah. Someone else did that to me and I have to choose to, you know, destroy that wall. And all of that is choices, boundaries and the walls that we build around ourselves to protect ourselves from feeling a certain way or you know, whether you've been battered or whatever your situation is. We have a choice to say, I'm going to face this wall. I'm going to face this situation or this feeling that I constantly am feeling and um, defeat it or let it defeat me. So you said choosing. So I've mentioned this on my podcast before. You've always said growing up to choose joy. Yeah. What does choosing joy look like for you? Well, so five years before I got divorced was like the really the first time that the choose joy statement like penetrated so deep into my life that it literally changed my whole thought process and how I walked out my life from that point. Um, It was the first time that there had been an indiscretion in my home and... I remember we were on vacation with friends and at that time I had what I thought was a great friend. She didn't end up being a great friend. Um, but she, and so crazy anyway. Um, I'll maybe mention something about that later. Um, but I was standing in the mirror and she had called me while we were on this vacation with friends, other couples at a beautiful resort and he had gone golfing and she had just called me and I answered the phone and unbeknownst to her, like I'd be going through total hell, like trying to really survive what I had experienced in the prior months and hold on to my life. And like looking at God, like I've, I've given you everything. I have lived my entire life for you. I have sold out to you. Why am I walking through this? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Which I think is a common thing that most Christians feel. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was like, I don't want to say I was questioning God. It was more of me just talking to God. Like, why, 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 why? 
And I remember like that phone call when I got off the phone, she was like, this has happened. And it was concerning my marriage. And it was like another blow, another, oh, massive blow. And I remember like being in the fetal position in the shower at this resort. And I am literally like devastated all over again. Just, you know, I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm all the things. Okay. And I'm laying in the floor and I remember standing up out of that shower and I got out of the shower and I'm just looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, what what is happening to your life? Like you're, you're like, you're the perfect couple, the perfect, the beautiful family. You have all the things. I had the home, I had the cars, we had the church, we had everything going for us, the gifts, the talents, all the things. And it was like falling apart. Like I, it was slipping through my fingers and I just looked at myself and I said, I choose joy. And I just, I kept saying it over and over and over looking in the mirror. I choose joy. I choose joy. I'm crying. I'm about to cry like it happened yesterday. But I just remember how powerful of a statement that it was to myself because what I was saying was that in the midst of what I feel like I'm walking through, I serve a God who says that he is greater than whatever I'm experiencing, whatever I'm feeling in that moment. And so I'm going to choose his word. I'm going to choose the thing that I have clung to my whole life. And that was that he was my hope for tomorrow. He was the joy that I was going to cling to because honestly, I felt anything but joyful. Yeah. I felt just alone. And that is such an, an awful feeling. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know that through my journey, God has placed so many women in my life that I have ministered to even men, um, through like Facebook and through posts that I have put up. And, um, I have like lags on talking a lot about it, but in God's timing, like those things will be open. But, you know, I just feel like in that moment, I, and I'm big on declarations. Like anyone who talks to me, I'm like, oh, I have a, I have a scripture for you, or I have, you know, a, a prayer that you need to declare over your life, over your children. And, um, it taught me how to pray. Honestly, walking through this taught me how to pray so differently. And so I, It's not like I look back and I have a life full of regrets. I have no regrets. I don't regret marrying Jeff. I don't regret our life together. I don't, it's, I rejoice in it because God has been so faithful. Yeah. And, but I just knew that I had to make a choice that day. And I remember that day I took my power back. I reached out and even though I was feeling the things that I was feeling, I wasn't like acting like, you know, going to a place in my head, like a depression type mode where it's like, I'm not going to acknowledge that this is happening. I'm acknowledging how I feel. Right. But in that acknowledgement, I'm still going to also acknowledge the God that I serve. And he said that I'm in my right mind, that I have love, that I have joy, that I have peace, that I have strength, that I have long suffering. And so I I made a choice right then. And I'm going to tell you, it was life changing for me. And since then, I always say like deliverance is a choice. And yes, people who fight addiction, like you have, you have fought addiction and it is a choice. It's a daily decision. 
that I get up. Does every day feel like um, rainbows? No, days suck. Yeah. Like hard things happen. But I serve a God who's like, hey, I'm right here. I'm not leaving. I'm right here. All you have to do is choose me today. And, you know, the Bible says, choose me this day who you will serve. And I choose to serve a God that I know got me through a lot. A lot of pain that was caused to me, but then a lot of pain that I caused. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's my brother always says is there's no shame in the struggle. And I would say that probably the hardest thing that I had to overcome is shame. And so for that to be the thing he always says is there's no shame in the struggle when shame is the thing that I guarantee you 90% of people who walk through hell feel. Yeah. With addiction. I mean, I've heard you say, I'm ashamed of how I did. I'm ashamed of the things that I did. And it's a personal thing because all the people can look at you and be like, I don't even see that when I see you. Right. I never even think about that when I see you. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm going home to me. And I'm going home to where my world has changed. My friends have changed. Not that that's all a bad thing. I have beautiful people in my life now. But it's still, yeah. yeah. So you, I don't think probably a lot of people, especially back home in Oklahoma that know this, but... I mean, granted, our family knew a a little bit of what was going on, but more so just because they spent time in prayer, praying Mm -hmm. for you and praying for Jeff and Blake and Britt. But you really went through everything that you went through alone until the day you walked out. Yeah, well, you know, um, there's a saying about there's loneliness. It's really lonely at the top. Yeah. And not that we were (laughs) multimillionaires or anything like this, but when you have something really big to lose, you get to a lonely place. And we were in such a position, you know, as pastors, we had so much to lose that who do you really confide in in moments like that? I didn't have anybody to rely on to say, man, this is really what's happening. Because here's the thing. People are going to hurt you. People are going to talk about you. I will have people listen to this. That'll talk after they are done listening. And they don't know me. Yeah. You ain't talked to me in five years. Like, you don't know me. And I will say this. The people that we pastored for the past five years, the last five years that we pastored, you had no idea the hell that was in my home. I mean, there was holes in our walls, doors pulled off the hinges, Ceiling fans ripped out of the ceiling. Like, my home was nothing like you thought it was. Right. But every day I stood on a platform and worshipped a God that I knew never failed. Never failed. And that's what got me through. I mean, I just watched a friend bury her husband at 36 years old. And she just said, "I the only thing I feel guilty about today is that I feel okay. And... You know, I, I, I literally was in awe of her Yeah, in that too. moment because I'm like, that's God, but that's the God we serve. And yeah. I know that every time the church became a refuge, it became my cleft in the rock. 
And I felt like when I was there, when I was on the platform and the shame now that I have had to walk through of things I hid, things that were so broken and disgusting and gross and the people that could see some things and knew like something wasn't right, but I would hide and I would, you know, I've had to ask God to forgive me for that. And, um, you know, I, here's the thing is that most of the people that I've lost in my life at hindsight, I'm cool with. Yeah. And most of the people who want to talk about me and want to have feelings about me, that's okay. Um, I, I guess at the end of my life, I want people to say that she loved really well. If she, if you felt her love, she loved you really well. And, um, I'm not perfect. I don't ever admit to be perfect, but, um, you know, I, there are things that you just sometimes have to do alone. And I hope that I can in, in my quietness of people not knowing what I was walking through, that they can honestly look and say, but man, I watched her love a God. Yeah. Who is who he says he is. I am that I am. And, you know, let that be my testimony. I never turned my back on God. Right. When some people were looking at me like, how have you, how have you done this by yourself? I mean, I had men set at a table looking at me like, how, how have you done this without no one knowing? And I'm like, first off, most things in life, most people aren't meant to carry those burdens. Yeah. And if you knew the truth of most people that you look up to, you'd be disappointed 99% of life. You know, the only person that should be on a pedestal in our lives is God. Because flesh and blood's going to disappoint you. Right. Every time. And the closer you get, the more you get to know somebody, you're not going to like them. Has your walking through what you've walked through, has what you desire from Brian or the love language that you want that you desire from him, has that changed from what you may have desired or needed from Jeff just because of what you walked through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my love language while married to Jeff was um, gifts, really. Like, I didn't care about anything else. Like, and that's why, like, I have a lot of nice purses. I have a lot of nice jewelry. I have, because gifts were my thing. I loved, like, if you gave me a gift at church, no matter how big or how small and significant it was, it meant so much to me. Now, gifts is, like, the last thing I could care about. Like, I've literally put, like, all things into perspective. Um, you can ask my nieces, Haley. She, I mean, she's like, can we, can I borrow this purse? I'm like, sure. Like, I don't care about anything yeah. like that. None, none of it matters. And I would have let her borrow it yeah. 10 years ago. But, um, now my, my thing with, um, Brian and I, I went through a personal, like I wanted to know what is my love language? What do I need at the end of the day? So I took the whole quiz and I really, you know, sought it out. I am now time. I want your time. I don't want it. And I want it to be not about you. (laughs) I want it to be about me. And I don't mind if we go and do what you want to do. Like Brian loves sports. Like beyond, beyond love. Like I can't even like really articulate how much the man loves sports. (laughs) Like it's, I've never seen anything like it. But, um, 
like we go to more games than I can even like it's like I yeah she's a football girly now like we said and and the thing is I said in like really good seats yeah. now and you know basketball games I have really good seats and all the things and so that makes it fun yeah. but even in those moments like he's so attentive because I've had to look at him and say because he's like, access service is not your love language. And I'm like, no, that's your love language. You love for me to do things for you. An act of service. Where I'm like, I just want your time. Yeah. I want words of affirmation. I want you to affirm to me daily how much you loved me. And how much I mean to you. How beautiful do you think I am? Like, I want to hear that every day. Because crazy thing was, is that for Jeff... That wasn't a thing that he did. I can't really say in 22 years that he probably looked at me and said, you look beautiful today 20 times in 22 years. And that might be stretching it. And I am i don't feel, because I never needed that. Right. But going through what I've gone through, now I can say, like, it's shifted all things. And now it's kind of like, it probably drew out things in me that were necessary you know um I always tell people there's purpose in your pain my pain was never for me Mm -hmm. now hindsight I can see that my pain was for a lot of other people I have like ministered to so many people now that have walked through what I've walked through some people that have never been married that we talk almost every day and she asks questions every day because she is you know, had daddy issues or whatever her thing was. And so we've like just talked and, you know, I have a lot, a lot of things that I've walked through that have given me insight into my own healing. And I think that no matter where you are in life, whether you've been married, divorced, the single auntie, all those things, I think that there's always room for healing because we're all a product of our environment. And most of us, No matter how good your environment was, there's some jacked up mess there. Right. Did you get really, like, did you lay out all your mess to Brian before y'all got married? Or was it like you laid out like foundational things and then maybe as y'all have been married, things have came out more? No, I, when we dated and we were like super serious, like he told me he loved me like a month into us dating and It kind of freaked me out. Now, mind you, we only knew each other, what, we met April and married in August. Mm -hmm. So, month in, he's like, I love you. (laughs) I'm like, you're nuts. (laughs) (laughs) No. And, but, you know, my heart was so tender. Our, Our second date, he literally sat across the table and prophesied to me. The Lord had given him a word for me. Brian had no idea anything about me. I remember that. And um, and he prophesied over me. And he could tell in that moment the brokenness. Because of what God was telling him to tell me. And mind you, he had no idea who I was. Other than Ronnie Harrison's sister. Um, and so that kind of opened the door. And I've never been um, backwards in telling anyone my story. Like, I'm not... Now I'm not, there's shame in it. Yeah, you hate to say it, but it happened. So if anyone, I always tell people, I'd rather you ask me what I did or ask you what happened to me, than you talk about it because I'm going to tell you what happened. Yeah. 
And, um, I just, there's, there's a lot of freedom in telling the truth. And so I never wanted him, I never wanted us to be based on a lie. I wanted him to know all my deep, dark secrets. And so before we ever married, he knew every detail, every detail. Did you know every detail about him? Yes. So he's pretty, like, I know he's vocal about, like, sports and things like that, but I don't know, like, is he vocal with his feelings? I know you're very vocal with your feelings. Yeah. But is he like that? Or is it something that, like, a string that you kind of have to pull? I have to pull on him more. He is more, like, he tells me he loves me all throughout the day. Honestly, like from work, he'll leave and two hours later, he's texting me. I love you. Um, he encourages me and, um, I, he, he has to ask me more for encouragement for him. Um, because I guess that's not just like a, it's easy for me to do for my kids and like certain things that God has to lay that on my heart. But, um, Brian is more of like, I need you to pray for me today. And that is one thing, like, that we do a lot for each other. Like, um, he'll say, I want you to pray over us tonight. And, like, before we go to bed, like, we'll hold hands and, like, pray over one another. And so I think that, but he's he's definitely one that will tell me his feelings, but I have to maybe say, hey, other than, like, you're beautiful and I love you. He says that every day a lot right. in a day. So what has even been, I guess, difficult about you now being a mom to his kids or to Caden? What has, how has that, because I know I have a lot of people that are a step parent and I'm a step kid. So how is, well, I, you know. When Jeff started dating, he was dating this one young lady, and um, my kids would always try to protect that. Like, they didn't want me to know. And I always had to reaffirm to my kids, like, listen, I'm not afraid of someone replacing me. Like, I'm your mom. That's never going to change. So I'm not insecure in that way, which I think that that can be a big thing in relationships and new marriages is that, like, a parent's going to feel like she's going to, like, my kid's going to love her more than she, they love me. Well, yeah. here's the thing. You're not going to out-love me with my kids. Like, they love me. Yeah. And my kids know every day that I love them. I mean, we talk every day. I'm very involved in their world. And they're involved in mine. So, like, um, with Caden, I didn't come into the picture, like, trying to... Like, be his best friend. I didn't come in there. I'm just, like, I'm, I always felt like I was a cool mom. So I'm pretty laid back. I'm pretty easygoing. And I just kind of wanted it to be organic. I wanted him to like me for me. I am me with him. He enjoys being with me. Like, I take him to school and pick him up every day. Uh, well, three days a week. And me and his mom have, like, a great relationship but I think she understands, like, I'm not, I don't, would never want to com- compete with her. That's, yeah. she's the mom. And when they deal with, like, school stuff or, you know, p- parental things, like, I stay out of it. Like, I just feel like that's not my business. And even though Brian is like, he's your business. And I'm like, listen, I'm a support. 
you are dad and she is mom and I'm the support system. I'm going to, you know, say, yeah, hey, mom and dad, we're going to do what they do. I mean, he's 14. He's grown pretty much. Yeah. And um, I, I'm more sensitive, I think, to not pushing myself on him. Yeah. And I think he has appreciated that. So if there's just in kind of like wrapping up, I want to hit a few things. So for people that are divorced, well, no, let me back up for people that are married who are either praying about divorce or separation in general from a partner, what is some advice there? Like if they're struggling, like if they should stay, if they should not, if they should walk away, if they should not, what is, how would you go about like telling them like stick it out or no, it's okay if you do walk away? Um, anything abusive, I'm like run, run as fast as you can. Like I, I have no tolerance for it. Like run. Um, I feel like people who are narcissistic, which narcissism is real mm-hmm. and rampant in most relationships. Um, I'm, I'm a fighter. Like I'm going to fight like hell for you. Yeah. And I did for my marriage. Um, but I think that there comes a point where you have to get, you have to grasp like what's beneficial to you and your family I don't say just quit because you guys can't get along. That means you just need to really get on your knees and pray. If you don't have a relationship with God, you don't need to be in a relationship. I don't know how people survive marriage, much less dating without God. Um, you know, sex is fun. Sex is great. I'm all about the sex. But at the end of the day, sex ain't saving my home. Yeah. Um, my relationship with God helps me keep my mouth shut. My relationship with God gives me long suffering. My relationship with God brings peace because I walk in peace. My relationship with God gives me a sound mind, which means my emotions aren't all over the place. I choose that every single day. So therefore, I wake up. I'm literally like this when I wake up. I can talk your ear off or I can, you know, I'm like, I'm cool, whatever. Like I'm great in the mornings, but I'm also great at night. Like I try to be very even killed, not emotional, not, I mean, sure. I have those days. Don't get me wrong. Those days happen. But if you're going to go into a relationship, that's why I'm like, heal yourself. Like recognize where you struggle. Like I struggle in my emotions every day. Okay. Well, you need to get in your word and really focus on being in sound mind because you can blame it on hormones. You can blame it on all the right. things mental and you can take health. all them. It's my mental health. I'm depressed or I, I'm bipolar. I'm okay. And you may have some of these things. I'm not going to discount any of that. Yeah. But I think if you're rooted and grounded in God's word and have a relationship And that's not to say that you have to get on your knees and pray for an hour a day. I pray all day. Yeah. I focus on the good things all day. And I have to keep my mind there. Is it easy? Heck no. Because people piss me off. Just like anybody else. (laughs) Like, let's be real. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I 
was telling Haley because we were talking about marriage last night and Brian did something like this past week that oh heavens <laughs> like I wanted to I wanted to like just be nutty like y'all nutty nutty <laughs> and, and he was he's looking at me even telling this story last night and he was like and do you still feel good about that like how ridiculous and I'm like yeah it was ridiculous I mean yeah I even listened to the story and I was like I mean but I was like pissed ready to kill somebody okay but you know and so it's not to say that that doesn't happen it's just to say that I don't think that you're giving yourself the best shot or being the best person for the other person if God is not the center of your life um, what is some main points of advice that you would give to someone maybe that is divorced and that's struggling with being a single mom? Forgive. Forgive your kids. Forgive yourself. Don't have guilty parent syndrome. Don't try to be your kid's friend. Be your parent. Be a parent at all times. Um, you're going to feel like crap because of what's happened and they're getting the blunt of it all. Our kids suffer. And that's why I'm like, I was such a fighter because I had too much to lose. But if it's not, at some point, you have to draw the line and say, I'm worth more Yeah. than the indiscretions. I'm worth more than you coming home in this shape every night. I deserve better. My kids deserve better. My home deserve better. My life deserve better. And I think that you have to give grace Because just like you're hurting, they're hurting. And they're going to act out and they're going to do things that maybe they don't even really know why they're doing them. But it's coming from somewhere. It's a place of hurt. And so you have to have grace for them. Just like you're saying, you should have grace for me. I'm walking through hell. Yeah, Your kids are too. And um, my motto for my kids is there's nothing you will ever do that I won't outlove you for. And I have proven that. I prove it every day. Mm-hmm. I remind them every day. I love you. And I'm not going to stop loving you because I disagree with something. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to take up for you. You got to own your mess. But um, I'm going to outlove you. And I think that as a divorced parent, that that's the key. And always re- reminding them who God is being a representative of who God is in their life. Um, you're still rearing them. You're still guiding them because, you know, when the Bible says train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he won't depart from it. That doesn't mean that, well, when they're little, I'm just going to discipline them. No, that means that, you know, my son's 21 years old and he, you know, is trying to make a job move. And he called me and he was like, I just need advice. Like, what are your thoughts on this? That's still me training up my child. Yeah. It's living out life and living out, you know, and, and when he talked about when he was getting married and we had really serious conversations, even with me and Maddie, like I wanted, I, she knows everything about me, our family. She's been with Blake since she was 14. So like she's, there's nothing new. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want her to think that like, Hey, when you take him on, you take on all of this. And so she knows like all the things, but I want her to also know that like, I'm still here. I still am here to rear them. And I have, I, when I asked Blake about marriage and he looked at me and he said, I don't want marriage to be anything like yours. And I said, then you're going to win. 
Because there were so many things that Jeff and I could have done so differently to be successful. And we honestly got caught up in the, the world of church and being available for all the things that at the end of the day didn't help us survive. And success is great. Money's great. Um, but it's nice <laughs> that Brian goes to work and comes home at night and you know, that's, he, it's his business. It's, and it's successful and he makes great money and he does all the things, but when he comes home, he's just Brian to me. And I love yeah. that. I yeah. love that aspect that, yeah, he's pulled on by employees, you know, over 200 employees or 400 employees, whatever it is. And all these things, it's great. But when he comes home, it's me. And there were so many things that we missed. We missed the mark that helped us be successful. So as a parent, you never stop training your kids. So in order to parent well, you got to steward your your relationship with God well. I still think that every part of life still goes back to your relationship with God. Whether yeah. it's your kids, your spouse, yourself. I'm not successful in life if I don't steward my relationship with God well. It's good. I'm a talker. No, I love it. <laughs> last Last little point of advice, regardless if it's... Your first time getting married, your second marriage, your 10th marriage. What is something, like, if, just, like, telling me, like, what is just a few things of advice that you would tell someone walking into getting married? Um, have grace. Because the things that bug you now will only grow later. If there's something about the person you're dating that you're like, that's kind of annoyance of mine with him. Trust me, the day you put that ring on, you're going to want to kill him the next day for (laughs) (laughs) Because it's annoying. Um, All of those things grow. So I would say grace um, and learning forgiveness because you're going to have to forgive over and over and over. Just, you know, because God, God tells us in the Bible that you know, men are supposed to love their wives like God loves the church. Why do you think he says that? I mean, he's a God that says, I'm going to forgive you 70 times seven. So imagine if he's giving us this roadmap of like, I'm, sir, you're supposed to love this woman like I love this, this bride of mine, the church. And I got to forgive billions of people in this world. Day after day after day, moment after moment. That's a lot of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say forgiveness and grace and choose happiness. Choose joy every day. Make it your choice that you're going to wake up and have a joyful heart. Because if you start to focus on all the bad things, you know, the old saying is you are what you eat. You're what you think. You're what you put in because what you put in has to come out. Yeah. You know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you put in is going to come out. If I'm putting in things, thoughts, shows that reflect chaos, movies, songs that reflect like, you know, guys, at some point you got it. And girls, stop listening to the music that only, you know, because 
my husband didn't marry a porn star. <laughs> like, I'm not right. that. There comes a point in life where you're like, I love this woman. And there's nobody like her. I love this man. And there's nobody like him. Trust me. The internet has nothing out there for you but brokenness. Because it's yeah. all filled with broken people. We're all broken people. And um, the, is, the gr- grass is never greener on the other yeah. side. And so I would just say to... You know, water the grass where you are, plant good things where you are, and put on blinders, spiritual blinders that say, I'm not going to be distracted by things that take me away from my marriage. And because at the end of the day, it will, it will be that, a distraction, and it will do nothing but tear you apart. I've gone really long. It's I love it. So <laughs> we'll wrap up right here. I've... I hope y'all have enjoyed listening to her talk as much as I have. I'm Maybe we'll do this in a two-part series and do two weeks back-to-back. I think that's what we should do because there's a lot more stuff that I just want to ask her and for people listening but also for myself. But we'll close out today and I'll let you pray. So, yeah. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this time and I thank you for Haley. I thank you for the gift that you have given her, that you've instilled in her and that she's reaching all of these people that she's reaching today. And I ask right now, I decree and declare over each and every person that would listen to this podcast that they would walk away feeling strengthened, encouraged, full of joy, having more compassion, and know you greater. God, I ask that I would would have given somebody just a boost of like, man, I got to get to know God just a little greater because it's going to make me better. So, Lord, I ask that every word that we've spoken would not fall on deaf ears, but that there would be a seed planted in each of their lives, that something great would grow out of this, and, God, that you would get the glory because you are a good, good Father. We praise you for each of these people, and we thank you for Haley in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Bye.